What are your first steps to optimize for a headless CMS? What the heck is a headless CMS? While we're at it, we jump headfirst into headless. Yeah, I did that. Today on The Edge. Go! Your weekly digital marketing trends with industry trend-setting guests. Powered by your digital marketing pioneers, Site Strategics. This week's featured guest is Lydia Infante, Senior SEO Manager at Sanity. Now, here's your host, Aaron Sparks. This is Edge of the Web Radio. I'm your host, Aaron Sparks. We're blessed to be able to chat with amazing guests from around the world about current marketing tactics each week. So whether you're part of a marketing agency, part of a marketing department, or a freelancer, this show is for you. So go, go check out edgeofthewebradio.com. We've been doing this for 10 years, and we've got a history of some amazing guests we've been able to talk to. We're proud to have Site Strategics as the sponsor of Edge of the Web interview series, the title sponsor. Our firm is a 19-year-old digital marketing firm. Our core specialties are technical SEO, entity SEO, SEM, social media, conversion, optimization, results-based marketing that works. Go check us out over at sitestrategics.com. Just want to let you know who will be coming up on the show over the next few episodes. I uh, got to check out Jason Bernard on our Edge Flash. We just recorded this this afternoon. Our second Lydia Infante episode, Todd Friesen, as well as Dana DiTomazzo. Also, check out our recent shows with Natalie Arney, Matt Holtz, and Greg Finn. If you're interested in being part of the show, just drop us a line over at info at edgeofthewebradio.com. Make sure that you check out our weekly news podcast as well, covering the most recent digital marketing news and updates. And I promise we got to SEO this week as well. We're dropping it every Tuesday to help you navigate your week in digital marketing. Continued co-host on the news is the swarthy and pungent. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> Morty Oberstein. You'll get the joke when you go check it out. He's the head of brand SEO over at Wix. Check out what we covered here on the news this week. Google's testing ads between organic results. HubSpot and TikTok announced a CRM partnership for B2B lead generation. Some inside SEO tools, discussions about unethical practices. G7 reported to agree on an AI code of conduct. There's a new version of ChatGPT that gives access to all the GPT-4 tools at once. AI tools galore, as well as search engine roundtable news. Packed a lot into episode 638, so go check that out. We'd also love to hear from you. Let us know what you think about our recent shows by going over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash edge today. That helps us get in front of new listeners. So if you liked a particular guest, let us know. With all of our show housekeeping taken care of, let's continue with Lydia Fonte, this week's industry expert guest. All right, I'm going to reintroduce you to Lydia Infante. She's a senior SEO manager over at Sanity.io. She's got nearly 10 years of experience in the industry, helps SaaS companies, media companies, and e-commerce business grow online. She can also be found at conferences such as Brighton SEO, MozCon, Ungad, and the like. You can also see her speak at International Search Summit in Barcelona, Spain on November 16th, if you can get out there. She's got a passion for data and storytelling and is a very strong advocate for women in tech. Now, she's been in a lot of podcasts. You know what? You can listen to the first episode. I'm not going to go through all those podcasts because I felt shortchanged that she hadn't arrived at our podcast, but everybody else, including SEO Rant Podcast, got to speak with Lydia first. So I'm not even, oh, I did mention him. Damn. 
All right. So <laughs> at the time of this recording, Lydia just returned from Brighton SEO, and he shared some thoughts about Brighton SEO, um, uh, this last experience in mid in mid September. Give us a little bit of for those of us across the pond who haven't been there. Give us some FOMO. Why should we go to Brighton SEO? Um, the way that people are like all starry-eyed and they haven't really lived through a manual penalty before. <laughs> hope in their eyes. And all of the all of the connections that they're making, they're also so shy. Oh, it's so cute. My very first SEO conference was Brighton SEO, so I relate to this very strongly. I remember like I felt like such a grown-up when my uh, manager approved the oh. budget for me to go. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to England. I lived in Spain at the time. I find it really glamorous mm -hmm. to travel for work now. I would love to travel for work a lot less. <laughs> so, And I remember just sitting there, and the first person that I saw speak was Izzy Smith. Mm -hmm. I believe she's in right right now. And yeah. she was funny. She was beautiful. She had answers for all my questions. I looked at her and I thought, wow, I wish one day I'm a real SEO. And now I, I think I'm a real SEO. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can feel the excitement. You can feel the vibe. You can feel all of these people meeting each other for the first time. They don't know it, but they're about to become like friends in 10 years time. That's it's really, really beautiful to see. It's such a vibe. Very cool. So hopefully that vibe continues in the U.S. November 8th and 9th, or 9th and 10th, I'm sorry. Uh, it's going to be Brighton SEO in San Diego. We're going to be out there. So this will be dropping prior to that, I hope. But hopefully we have that same energy established with that. That's their inaugural event there. And uh, certainly going to be uh, fun, especially that we can meet the bard of SEO, Morty Oberstein over there, right? If you want to know what we're talking about, go check out the first episode where we actually named Morty. We've given him given him his title. Pivot around. We actually talked about your study here uh, regarding keyword analysis of plurals and singulars. Uh, but another presentation that you gave over at MozCon was about headless SEO and pretty funny title. Headless SEO, I'm sorry, but this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Every time that I go on stage, and I've given this talk a couple of times now, right. I ask for a show of hands, who's on a headless CMS? And the hands grow and grow, oh and the numbers gosh. say, headless is happening. And headless is awesome in many ways, but it can be really terrible in many other ways. Absolutely. Like, before, for example... Hold on a second. Oh, before yeah, anything, <laughs> let's jump into... Well, let's jump into this head first. I had to get that one out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. First, uh, <laughs> that's so bad. Yeah, I know. I, I'm full of dad jokes, so there's that. Let's get our uh, audience up to speed here. What is a headless CMS? Let's go ahead and block and tackle that first. Yeah. So picture a traditional CMS. Think your classical WordPress that everybody has like started their careers on. Mm -hmm. You've got a database. You don't know it probably if you're starting out, but you've got a database somewhere that is coupled to your admin interface. The admin interface is when you go onto your WordPress dashboard and start editing the content. What you're doing there is getting the database and the admin interface to speak, to modify, to write and read the content that you have on that database. And that's where you create. That is where the admin of the website does their work. Mm -hmm. And then this is perfectly tightly coupled to your website, right? You're making changes to specific pages. You are making changes to specific fields. You're changing text. But you cannot reuse that content onto your app. You cannot reuse it easily onto a marketplace. Mm -hmm. You cannot reuse it easily into anything else, really. 
So we've got the presentation layer, the website. This is what we call the head mm -hmm. of the CMS. When we talk about a headless CMS, it's not because we want your content to go nowhere. It's because we want your content to go everywhere. Right. It's not that we want no head. We just want an interchangeable set array of many heads. You know the, the anecdote where a teenage girl got her phone like taken from her mom because she was too into her phone, mm -hmm. and she ended up tweeting from the fridge? Tweeting from the fridge? <laughs> from her smart fridge. Have you not heard that? No, I haven't. So she got into the OS on yeah. the fridge and was able to actually yeah. install the Twitter app. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes. We want this teenager to be able to access your content from her fridge. That is what headless means. That's where we're going. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. My kid is addicted to Snapchat. And you're actually saying you want him to actually be at the fridge Snapchatting the entire time. <laughs> I'm not going to have it, Lydia. I'm not going to have it. I mean, I do recommend don't buy a fridge with a camera because that's super <laughs> sus. Like, do you really believe that Siemens or whoever's making your fridge right. takes cybersecurity seriously? No, but they'll certainly uh, pair up with Amazon so they can actually uh, look at how many times do you actually go over to that cabinet? How many times do you actually go over and uh, grab that microwave burrito? Hey, you might want to... And uh, what's the product that you like? Hey, yeah, we're designing exactly. dystopia for you, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> the hey. Internet of Things. All right, let's get back to it. The headless CMS has been a bit of a misunderstanding because uh, I can still move my content through a WordPress site. I can still move my content through a HubSpot site, but I can control that content at a, a database-centric space so I can actually uniformly distribute it and have different versions that are all tied together from a content distribution standpoint. I can even push it into social media. I can push it into a number of different spaces, and I don't have to duplicate things anymore. And I can actually craft and test different type of messaging as well in these different platforms, yeah. right? That's really so. You already knew what we were talking about. Oh, yeah, I absolutely, see. absolutely. I see. No, yeah. but it, it's, um, it, this is this is the future. This is the future of content management systems because you have to be in the omni-channel space, right? Exactly. You know how SEO keeps dying, like over and over again. <laughs> A really good way to prevent your job from dying is. Um, Consider yourself an assistant, a bit of a bridge between your brand and the user, mm -hmm. right? You're trying to get the user to find the content that's going to satisfy their intent wherever they are looking for it. If they're looking for it on TikTok, they should find it on TikTok. If they're looking for it on Google, they should find it on Google. Maybe they're trying to find you on Instagram. They should find you on Instagram. You have to become a findability assistant and a quality advocate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that new level of a uh, new role that SEOs can actually move into. But all marketers should be in the space of understanding that they're the conduit of communication and on top of that, understanding the different types of communication in these different channels, right? Yes. And that means that we all become extremely tied into cross-collaboration projects. When before, you could have an SEO ninja that you saw twice a year and got your Cistrix visibility up, you know? Mm. Now, as an SEO, you have to be present and in touch with many business stakeholders. So that brings everybody together and it gets buy-in on a number of areas. But here's where I need some clarification here because as we move into headless CMSs, there's a lot of baggage, 
around WordPress or other platforms where we've invested in tools, invested in the cultivating of data on these tools and these plugins, and that doesn't come along for the ride very easily. So yeah. how do we actually go through this with somewhat an unscathed process? Because, I mean, perfect example is our podcast website. We're doing some detailed structured data with a structured data plugin, right? And that is platform contingent or dependent. Mm -hmm. That's the, CM, the, the WordPress CMS. So to leverage all of that data, I got to move it someplace else that is not dependent on that plugin installed because a headless CMS, regardless of what platform it is, it's not going to be honoring those native plugins of the CMSs, correct? Yes. So when you're migrating to a new CMS, you have to migrate your content and issue that you're going to have when you're moving from a traditional CMS onto a headless CMS or a CMS that's more like sanity mm -hmm. is that the content that you have tends to be unstructured versus the content that you are trying to create needs to be structured. This requires for you to do several things. Having a workshop with Carrie Hain, who wrote a book on structured content and content modeling. Mm -hmm. And I felt super, super privileged to be in that space with her because I learned so much about content modeling. There's many approaches to content modeling, but content modeling basically is you look at all of your content, you divide it into types, and you think about the relationships in between each other, how they reference each other, mm -hmm. and how they are reused into actual presentation. So in your mind, you decouple your content from your presentation. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a content model, but everybody has it in their brains, and very few people have it documented. Mm. So the first thing that you need to do is understand where you are, your origin state, and understand where you're going, your final state. Mm -hmm. What are you trying to achieve and what are the features that you're going to have to carry over? What matters to you? We know that what matters to you, for example, is creating structured data with that plugging. Right. Now, how is that plugging pulling structured data? Is it pulling it from fields? Is it using AI mm -hmm. to model the output? Mm -hmm. Regardless, you could just build out your presentation telling your front end to pull from those fields and build the structured data out mm -hmm. of it. You can create tons of validation rules, mm -hmm. which makes it really easy. And I'm super passionate actually about structured data and headless CMSs because content modeling and structured content makes structured data much, much, much more easy to enrich and to present mm -hmm. and to validate. Mm -hmm. But I won't go on that rabbit hole just now. Oh. Let's talk about migrating. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Because that's the biggest hurdle whenever people are listening to this type of scenario. Is One thing is actually picking up and moving to another CMS. But the shock, the ontological shock of actually yes. moving from a single source, uh, moving to a single source of communication space, that really is it, it's changing roles, it's changing relationships in the staff, right? Because you're mm -hmm. now not just carrying your particular mantra of information, but you're also pulling it from that central database. But there are going to be some tough hurdles to climb, perceived hurdles, unless there's a nice roadmap of transition, right? Yes. So that Rosemont transition is actually the object of a content project I'm working on mm -hmm. to try and, and assist in this roadmap because it's super difficult, you know, like, and it requires such a healthy organizational culture that not everybody can say that they have. Mm. But 
migrating CMS and migrating to a headless CMS is usually a pull between two powers. Okay, you've got developers mm -hmm. that want to work with the nicest, leanest, coolest frameworks, and you've got marketers that want to be on WordPress because they've always been on WordPress, <laughs> and they're convinced that WordPress is more usable. WordPress is not more usable. WordPress is familiar. You have confidence while you're working on WordPress because you can see a perfect pairing between the content that you edit and the presentation layer, which is going to be the website. Mm -hmm. Now, we are not being very good at that because our mobile sites are still quite lacking versus our desktop sites because we are editing on desktop, even though our users mostly consume on mobile. So that perfect coupling between what I see that I'm editing versus what's happening on the front end mm -hmm. is not perfectly ideal, okay? Mm -hmm. When you click on the preview on WordPress and you get to see the desktop preview, what I would want you to see is a preview that is platform dependent, mm -hmm. right? This is how my content will be previewed on Etsy. This is how my content will be previewed on Amazon, on my mobile app, mm -hmm. on my Apple Watch app. Yeah. I want you to be able to see it all, not just desktop, because you have to care about all of those omni-channel users, not just you, right. basically. And that is a, a very big pool of WordPress marketers wanting what they can control because they might have been burned also in the past with CMSs where they couldn't edit the content manually, right. CMSs where it took a really long time to make an update because they were either Git-based or they needed like a specific cycle of content deployment. And then the content turns out to not look the way that they thought it was going to. And then they have to wait two more weeks to make that update, right? So for them, what developer teams need to do is bring them into the content modeling sessions to mm -hmm. understand exactly what fields they need in their CMS to work with. They need to provide this review layer, which is quite, well, it's quite unique. At Tiny we do it. Some of our competitors do it as well, but it's not super expectable of every headless CMS mm -hmm. for them to be able to see what their content's going to look like. So that confidence and the autonomy to make and deploy those changes on their own. That is what you need to make that content marketing team happy. But the breakdown in communication and their fears of moving to somewhere other than WordPress can be like a big challenge. Mm. And then you've got the pool of developers, right? I've been watching user interviews and I have an anecdote that amuses me endlessly. You know, WordPress, you are basically working in PHP, right? As a developer. Mm -hmm. We had a client that had a lot of developers and they were on WordPress and they moved to Sanity. And this this will happen with any CMS, but I know that it's Sanity because it was our client that we were interviewing. Mm -hmm. And they saw positive ROI from the move just because developers stopped quitting. <laughs> <laughs> That's you will awesome. not believe how big this brand is. Oh, you, I, I bet. I this bet. is like a top 10, top of mind, if I say the word brand. Mm -hmm. Like, this is gigantic. Oh and God. when they analyze how their recruitment costs had gone down, their hiring costs had gone down because, like, as inflation happens, mm -hmm. each salary needs to be higher than the one before. Right. And the time, the productivity lost in the ramp up time, they saw positive ROI just out of developers not quitting that's often. amazing and and it's that crazy. absolutely should be uh, embraced by business owners understanding that it's not just 
the platform that you have to pay attention to. It's the complexities of the platform that you're asking developers to be able to work in. And if they are seeing regularly outside of their own company, new innovation that's not being embraced by where they are, they're absolutely going to go to those new platforms, those new tools. You have to invest in technology. That is a smart decision, but developers are hungry for learning new spaces. And there's always a faction of safe harbor and certain individuals that just want to be in place there, right? And know, yes. know their space. But in this omni-channel digital new media consumption space we're in. We have to be able to move deftly. And these, I wouldn't say stagnant, but they are static environments, have to be jettisoned for a much more fluid environment of delivery, right? Yes, exactly. But like, I really like to think about the psychology of everybody involved in that migration, right? The uh, marketers that are panicking because they're losing work for us, the developers that thought this was going to be really easy and then they run into a hurdle or they don't like the marketers because they don't speak the same language mm -hmm. and don't invite them to the content modeling session. And then marketers go, we told you so. The CMS is shit. Let's move back to WordPress. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. There's some sabotage that's going to be there as well. Yeah. I know. Oh, I know. Geez. So I really like something that our CEO says, and it's probably not his quote, but I still like it. It says, disagree and commit. Take healthy conflict where you state why you don't like this idea. Right. Say whatever you need to say about it in a respectful manner. And then once whatever is chosen is chosen, move on. <laughs> and don't sabotage the effort of the group. Just join in. Do your best work. No, It's not spiteful against you. Just chill. Just chill. Change is inevitable, right? Yes, so. change is the only constant. <laughs> or like that Greek philosopher said, you'll never bathe in the same river twice. We're proud to have Site Strategics as a sponsor of Edge of the Web. We're pioneers in the agile digital marketing methodology. Core specialties that we provide are technical SEO, including core web vitals optimization, search engine marketing, social media marketing and management, focus on conversion rate optimization, truly focus on results-based marketing that works. We've also developed a unique omni-channel media marketing and content curation process as guided by our weekly R&D from our Edge of the Web interviews. We incorporate the best techniques for our content broadcast strategy and execution. If you're interested in what we can do for you, just give us a call at 877-SEO4WEB or 877-736-4932. All right, so give me some SEO tips for headless CMSs. Uh, that was part of your presentation at Moz. You've got seven different tips that you, you'd like to lay on us here. And let's give some confidence and calm to the SEOs. They're probably freaking out about this podcast because they know it's coming. They see it. It may be a year from now. It may be five years from now. But headless CMS will be upon us. So how do we actually yes. optimize towards a headless CMS? Right. So the trick when talking about headless CMSs is that I have to talk about the boring part, which is putting guardrails in place. Mm -hmm. Because the cool stuff, the inspirational stuff, is still up for us to discover and to create. I know I've done like really awesome innovation on my own CMS, in my own space, mm -hmm. but it's up to all of us to go and get it done. And we cannot get it done if we don't put the safeguard in place. 
Now, I'm going to be referencing WordPress a bunch when I talk about traditional CMSs, but there are many others. Mm -hmm. When you're on WordPress, fucking up is hard. Doing something brilliant is impossible. When you are on a headless CMS, doing something brilliant is very possible. Fucking up is very likely. Because <laughs> um, WordPress puts some guardrails in place, right? Like right. there's a lot about the connection between the front end and the back end that you don't have to worry about because right. it's already just kind of there. So we need to go back and make sure that we put those guardrails in place. Let's talk about the guardrails. And then you can go out and think about the amazing innovations that you can create. Mm -hmm. But first, let's stop this thing from fucking up. Developers don't know what you need. And you don't know if they have worked on a headless setup before. Mm -hmm. So pretend they are five and audit your space, mm -hmm. taking into account that you need to check all of the meta tags. Like I'm talking title. I'm mm -hmm. talking meta robots. Mm -hmm. Is there a meta description? Is the meta description field editable mm -hmm. for um, SEOs behind the scenes? Are you providing a content type? Like are you providing the enco encoding mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the head? Like all of those meta tags that we think are a given, they actually have to code them. They actually have to put them in to make sure they haven't forgotten because it can go down real. Easy. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, <laughs> find the data as if you were a developer, honestly, and map what those fields are and where they need to be in the new environment, right? Yeah, but also like the stuff that you would typically never think of, the language of the document, the viewport, check it manually. Mm -hmm. Don't assume that it's there because it might not be. And then you can even consider how you want to reuse content across fields, right? Like you you might want your meta description in your open graph to be the same. Mm -hmm. You might want to include some validation in the backend so that the language code or the hreflang in the code is always ISO compliant. Right. Yeah, you, you can put validation in place that, that you don't really get anywhere else or um, that you can't really get in a traditional setup. Um, that would be my very first piece of advice. Then, and this one's more for like developers or people that are participating in the content modeling phase of mm -hmm. this migration. Make sure that content editors can edit the URL slug. And that's like a slippery slope. You can create in uh, many headless CMSs different types of user with different types of permission. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I have a freelance writer, I'm not going to give them, like I create role type freelance writer. I give them access to read the sections of the website that, that's relevant to them. I give them access to create content but not publish, edit content with a review request. Mm -hmm. I don't give them access to edit the URL. I have a, a user type SEO. The SEO has like pretty much access to everything except maybe the code, depending on the SEO that you are working with. But yeah, you're going to have to be very specific on the stuff that, again, we take for granted. Right. You need an editable URL slug. Otherwise, developers might think, I'm just going to grab the title, put some dashes in between the uh, words, and that's going to be the URL. And you don't want that. Or worse, they're going to think, alphanumeric randomness, go. <laughs> I have seen it. No, it's terrible. Um, Yes, it is terrible. So you can, can, um, you, can you, you have the ability to control all these factors. You just have to be able to map them accordingly. And on top of that, as you move to a headless CMS or whatever CMS, you also have to pay attention to your URL structure is stable, that you're not radically changing anything. Or if you're wanting to, you make sure that 301s are in place. What other areas are things that we take 
for granted in a CMS that need to be mapped to its destination? I just have so many anecdotes of this going wrong. <laughs> I feel like I'm marketing it wrong. I was working for a big tech company that we will not name because I'm not trying to get sued. And our canonical <laughs> fields just reflected whatever the user had on their computer. Right? Like whatever the browser was showing mm -hmm. was what was reflected on the canonical. So click IDs from Google Ads got onto the canonical. Our canonicals were changing like multiple times a day. I checked it with like Content King because they were gaslighting me. The developers were saying that everything was fine and I knew that it wasn't. So I started getting Content King to check it. And uh, yeah, the canonicals were changing to whatever was. Whenever somebody clicked through to our site, whatever the UTMs were on there, any mm. parameters on the URL, were becoming the canonical. Oh my God. And then it would cache... Not exactly sure how, but then it would be the canonical for a little bit. And the canonical would have been said somewhere by a user. It was pointless. <laughs> um, so yeah, that drove me insane. I would say you can create validation rules for your canonicals. Mm -hmm. Absolutely do not do what those developers did to me. The canonical URL needs to be defined in the head or the HTTP header. And it needs to be... Only the version that you want index it. Canonicals need to be 200. They need to, well, indexable, not really, not necessarily. Only one canonical per page. Mm -hmm. And they need to be absolute URLs. That means it needs to include the HTTPS, uh, mm. so on, so on. It. it needs to include the domain and the protocol. But yeah, keep in there and be especially careful if you're in the e-commerce space because you're going to have to, well, make the usual rules that e-commerce SEOs need to make mm. around filters and categories, but with the added layer of you're not really sure if it's going to work and if your developers have understood exactly what you require. So yeah, that would be my tip number three for it. Okay. Tip uh, number four is also unhinged, and it's so funny. <laughs> it's funny now that, I, not that it's over, okay? But... I talked to my developers, we're launching a new international site, okay? Right. And I want my XML sitemap. And I say, only 200 URLs, like URLs that respond to 100, only the indexable ones, mm -hmm. only the canonical ones, like, be good. And the sitemap comes live and it's perfect. And I'm like, yeah, fabulous. Now let's make some content. Start making some content, start making some content. It's not ranking like super well. And I started like analyzing what, what could be happening. And I'm not saying that's what was happening, but the sitemap had not changed. Hmm. And I go to the developer and I go like, why aren't my new URLs being added? It's like, it's the list of URLs that you gave me. Oh, come like, on. Yeah, but it's a dynamic file. <laughs> um, it gets worse though. It gets, <laughs> doesn't seem like it could, but it gets worse. And they make a dynamic file. Now the file is only created once it's requested right so once somebody goes on brand name slash sitemap.xml we have two minutes where the sitemap is generating in the meantime it responds 500 oh who's the first to go to the, your sitemap that's google bot the right there absolutely it's google bot oh. all right now <laughs> the sitemap has been generated google bot didn't see it I make more content. The sitemap dies and needs to be rebuilt. Googlebot comes back again. 
500. And it takes minutes, like actual minutes. The longest I think it took for a site mob to get built was like 10 minutes. I could not believe my eyes. Holy um, cow. Oh, man. So that's a horror story. I never want to hear that again. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> so I just, I always recommend, remind your developers, your sitemap is not a static thing. It is a dynamic file that needs to get updated. Now, how are you going to get it updated? What frequency? How is this going to become accessible to Google? Have these conversations. Otherwise, they're going to be like, yeah, we've met the acceptance criteria of your ticket because the URLs are 200 indexable and canonical and the XML is correct. So you're going to the backlog and then I cry or drink one of the two. <laughs> and that would be tip number four. Oh my God, <laughs> don't, get, don't get screwed. <laughs> Spend more time showcasing the SEO expert you are to your clients on Wix. Smart SEO automations free you up to focus on more advanced tactics and strategies with features like automatic image optimization, including conversion to WebP, automated structured data creation, one-click indexation, inspections, and even automatic redirects. You can concentrate on the high impact of SEO tasks that let you show off your expertise. We're proud to have them as a continued sponsor of Edge of the Web. Check out everything over at edgeofthewebradio.com forward slash Wix today. Wix always evolving. But these are things that SEO should absolutely be regularly aware of, whatever CMS they're in. But you do need to make sure that you're bridging the gap here because the devs are not wired for SEO as you are. And it really does insist upon itself that you need to know these parameters, not just rely upon them from a WordPress standpoint. These parameters are very, very important and you need to shepherd them, right? And you need but to But we've be been spoiled, right? Because we've we not had to think about this for right, the longest right, right. time. I miss Yoast so much. I okay, you're, I not, you're not making the argument for me jumping over there right now. That's what I know, I know. <laughs> it's what I'm telling you. It's really hard talking about headless CMS because the first part, the most important part of the conversation is the most boring bit, is the the mistakes, right. it's the guardrails. How boring are the guardrails? How fucking boring is it for me to tell you about your sitemap? Now, I mean, the anecdote is funny, but... But with the advent of... Wouldn't you of, rather uh, be working on something else? Well, think about this, though. The advent of AI can come to our assistance here. Because if we can train AI on a CMS migration path, Right. And being able to actually run through scripting to be able to map fields, map knowledge, and also learn from the source site to the destination site. And all you have to do is check off the boxes of, yep, that's going along, this is not. Having that in your back pocket could very well be the pinnacle solution that we don't have to dig through all nooks and crannies of what we're used to. We can actually bring along an analysis tool to give us that type of direction. What do you think about that? I think someone has shown you our product roadmap yeah. and you're just putting it out here in public. <laughs> I, nope, 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 nope. Sorry. It, it just makes logical all sense, right? All right, everybody. Right? AI Assist. It's live. It's happening. You can already use it. Oh my and you God. can, it's super cool because like imagine a recipe schema. Right. This is one of the cool things. Let's talk about the cool thing. It's one cool thing before I continue on the rest of the tips on how not to fuck it up. If you have a recipe, you know, like picture a recipe, a text, copy, paste, you're writing it on your Google Doc, and you've got your ingredients and you've got your everything. And your CMS has your content model and your content model 
knows that recipes have ingredients, amounts, cooking time, all of that. You can put it into Sanity AI Assist, say this is a recipe, fill out the fields on the CMS for me. Mm-hmm. It'll understand that that's a recipe and turn that unstructured content into structured content. There it is. So you can do the same and use the same technology with the CMS migration. You do your content modeling and then you pass it through with Sanity AI Assist. See? It's like I knew. It's like you knew. <laughs> Who have you been speaking to? <laughs> Your secret is safe with us and all of the edge listeners. And in the podcast, <laughs> my secret is public. Thank well, you. I mean, that's that's the most important thing, and that's what has been. This is not a promotion. This is this. The reality here is that Headless needed to have that juncture, that connector, because mapping everything out that way is an arduous process, and you need to have the knowledge of all these fields, all this information. But the it needs to be deft and be able to be agile and to be able to train something. You could actually train your old CMS. Again, I don't know if your model is going to be able to do this, but being able to actually spring into action additional factors of optimization that the previous CMS did not have available, right? So yeah. if it didn't have structured data. Tested, right. tested very thoroughly oh, yeah, before absolutely. putting that live. Yeah, like for example, structured data. I have right. a super cool use case for structured... Well, I have two super cool use cases for structured data. You've got... The classic, and this is less common now because Google has decided that we've spammed the FAQs too much, right? Mm-hmm. But a very easy way to know that a blog post is for SEO or a piece of content is for SEO is because at the bottom, you've got the frequently asked questions that aren't actually frequently asked, that are just a scraping of PAAs mm-hmm. and that you have probably already answered within the content. If you go on Sanity, you won't find those. What you will find is that every heading that ends in a question gets marked as FAQ schema question, and the immediate paragraph below gets marked as an answer. And this prevents us from making a mistake in our schema markup Mm -hmm. and violating Google's rules because it needs to be exactly what's on the page Mm -hmm. when you've got on the schema. This will always update to exactly what's on the page. And you might be worried like, oh my God, what if my writer doesn't know this? Don't worry, there's a pop-up that says, this is going to be used as an answer. This is what FAQs look like. Please provide an answer within the paragraph and then dive deeper later. I also like brief this to all of my writers every time. And it's part of my editorial process to check this. But yeah, you can do that kind of stuff. Or for example, what I do as well is for EEAT, I have a very structured approach to my author's bios. Mm -hmm. So I ask them, I have a form that I send them out. And the first part of the form is like, tell me about your role as Sanity. How long have you been there? What are you responsible for? Second part of the form is, tell me about your previous experiences, like how many years do you have in the industry? What previous jobs have you held? What degrees do you have? And then the last one is like, say something colorful about you, right? Just to add some like interest to it. And then I have basically GPT-4 API, well, GPT-3.5, I think, API. Mm -hmm. Read that and output a person schema. And then on that person schema, I look at it, I validate it, and if it works, it goes live with knows about, mm-hmm. has credential, mm. all of that. And you do it at scale, right? Like right. it's kind of neat. You can have your content model, well, not your content model, your CMS pull from the bio and show you like in green if it passes the validation, in red if it needs manual checks. I always manually check it anyway because even when it's green, it says nonsense. But <laughs> yeah, you can do it and it's 
Super cool, super fast. Imagine with recipe schema, it's the same, right? And we were talking about omni-channel content delivery. And there is a connector on TikTok where you can post a video of your recipe and then connect it to a URL on your website. It pulls the recipe schema from your website and it makes a mini page on TikTok Mm -hmm. where you can actually read the step-by-step on the website. And you can actually connect it to a third-party app that shops for ingredients for you. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Based on the recipe. Oh, my God. Of course. How cool is that? Yeah. yeah that, so and, omni-channel. And that's how you use structured data in a, a number of different ways here. But that explicitly is a great transactional moment that you can't do with a static or even a dynamic CMS that's fixed in place. So... Perfect examples here. And I know you've got a lot of anecdotes here, Lydia. Wrapping this up, that we wanted to get to the point where we understand that there are bridges, there are solutions from a CMS migration, that it's not as daunting as from a dev mindset that it very well could be, right? There's logic in place. Tools are in place to be able to assist in that space. So we certainly wish you all the best on Sanity IO. Check that out, folks, because it sounds like a fantastic tool. Lydia, I hate to say it, but we got to wrap this puppy up here. We'd love to have you back on the show here in the near future. Lots more things to talk about. But I do want to park right here and ask, if in two minutes, what excites you and what bugs you about your industry right now? Oh, my God. Oh my God. You know, I feel this question out on your questionnaire yep. and, and I, I was probably too honest. So let me be too honest also on your podcast. Go for it. Um, nepotism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've created pockets of power that let you get ahead in the industry with connections rather than competency. These pockets of power have been held by white old men mostly. And the fact that they're sharing these characteristics makes it easy for our industry to become discriminatory towards people that don't meet those characteristics, right? And it makes our industry worse because it's no longer about merit. It's more about who you know and who likes you. An industry that's being built on generous knowledge sharing should lift up the smartest voices, the innovators, the most passionate individuals rather than your friends. I realize that this is very ironic, right? Because I'm on this podcast because, well, more. Oh, you're on this because you. I want to come. Uh, I mean, honestly, I I probably try. I try to prevent friends of Morty getting on board because they do tend to (laughs) trash the place, and I got to pick up after them. And it's just, it's it's not fun to have a play date like that. (laughs) No, you're blazing a trail there, and uh, you know, the fact of matter is, you're absolutely right. It should be the merit of space where everybody's evaluated at the level of contribution into the space. And this is where these niche shows and articles can really help even the playing field across the board here is that doing studies like this and getting it published, right? These are factors that should absolutely weigh into connection and the industry itself. So I, as much as you see that, I do see the pendulum changing from an SEO industry standpoint. There's much more contribution of new players in the game than there ever have been before. And I'm just saying that from observation, been in this 30 years, I absolutely see the changing of the guard to a much more contributing and trustworthy space of authority right now. And and Yeah, it's a little bit more diverse, a little bit more transparent as well, because, you know, back in the days when I was starting with SEO, it was such a black box. Like we were all talking about 
little tips and tricks about tricking the algorithm, but the right. industry has really, really changed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you can't bullshit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what part of marketing was back in the day was spinning articles and getting that stuff out there. You got to be real. You got to have real content, real something. White text on a white background with all of your keywords. <laughs> easy, easy there. Easy there. I still use that. All right. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Conversely, what excites you about your industry right now? Oh my God, we're in like a stage of like creativity is about to boom. I know that I'm managing to do so much more work thanks to like AI assistance. And I have so many ideas to make content human first, to make content better. Mm -hmm. And I think smart people are going to find themselves in an incredible position where they can invest time in innovation and creativity. And it's so beautiful because we don't know what's coming. It's going to be up to us to build it, to make it. Mm -hmm. And there's such incredible minds in this industry that are going to. I cannot wait. I'm getting that more and more as I'm inter interacting with professionals such as yourself is that it's almost like a reset moment is that we can jettison off some really old baggage. We've got AI as a tool set, not a content creation tool, right? to a particular degree, but we have a space where we can actually kind of reset, clean up, have speedy websites, and be able to move into content modeling, semantic chart, semantic mapping of information. We're in a whole nother world, and it's great to be able to experience it. It's also great to be able to have some really cool tools to be able to navigate that as well, right? Yes, it's fucking cool. Yeah. Very good. Well, we certainly want to get some promotion out for you. Uh, you should have regular speaking engagements. You're, you're doing a great job, but uh, do you have anything coming up here soon that you want to tell us about? I'm not really. Just I'm going to be speaking about the time that I got a million dollars to spend in SEO budget, and I couldn't because of internal processes. Mm -hmm. How I fixed the whole thing to provide positive ROI on a million dollars. Somebody gave me a million dollars. That's crazy. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be at the International Search Summit in Barcelona. Alrighty. Well, uh, we certainly want to promote uh, your site, sanity.io. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience uh, today? If you are looking for speakers, I have an amazing talk idea. I call it the Tinder MBA from when I optimized my dating life using concepts that I learned in my master's in business. And it teaches concepts of business that SEOs that have been like very siloed into your technical space mm -hmm. need to know if they want to grow in their career. It's also fucking funny because it talks about my dating life. And that was <laughs> a thing. You, you literally built a CRM for your dating I life. I did. <laughs> I did. Awesome. It had like gold opportunity, silver opportunity. I had to measure my North Star. And I had a strategy to turn what I called a red ocean market yep. into a blue ocean market. Oh, there you go, business. And business I'm married now, so you know it worked. <laughs> you got to market that. You got to market the uh, the Christmas, uh, strap your mom into the chair belt, as well as your dating CRM. That's that's your golden ticket right there, Lydia. I really like the idea of that talk, and nobody has been accepting it. And it's so fucking funny. You're all <laughs> missing out. Oh, man, that's funny. Well, we're going to have to have, have you back and talk about that in depth. Lydia, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, and we certainly want to lift you up on social. Don't be a stranger. Please uh, come back around and uh, share some, uh, some of your great fucking stories. <laughs> 
Thanks so much for being part of the show today. Thank you for having me. You're Thank you, Morty, for connecting us. You're more than welcome. All right. Follow Lydia on Twitter at Lydia Infante, I-N-F-A-N-T-E-M. You can also find her on LinkedIn as well as Instagram with the same credentials. Also go over to her YouTube channel as well. And Lydia, you also have your uh, URL out there. Give us that real quick. Lydia-Infante.com. There you go. See? All right. All the things. <laughs> Go let her know how she's doing, and also make sure that when she's speaking next, you're in the audience. Make sure you listen to the first part of the Lydia Infante episode by going over to edgeofthewebradio.com. Give thanks to our sponsors. Go check them out. They want to connect with you. Use the links in the show notes to find out more about their services. That's how they know you found them with us. And check out all the must-see videos over at edgeofthewebradio.com. That's edgeofthewebradio.com. Make sure that you rate this podcast as well. So go over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash edge today and let us know how we did on this show, as well as any others that you liked. And if you didn't like it, make sure you rate SEO Rant, okay? Not Edge of the Web. Just saying. All right, so for all of us over at Edge, stay safe, stay well, and do not be a piece of cyber driftwood. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.